Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett, and I hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. I've worked in ministry for over 20 years and have seen just about everything. And as damaged as I am, I hope to bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. Hey, y'all, Matt is on retreat today, and so I am flying solo. Reached out to a few people, and schedules did not align for a guest host, so I am jumping in and going to add some value. I wanted to talk today about really kind of the highs and the lows. So if you think back and you think about the best day of your life, could you name it? If you think back and you think about the worst day of your life, could you name it? What about the best day in ministry and the worst day you've ever had in ministry? I can name those things personally, uh, because they are extremely memorable, right? They're almost to a degree uh, elating or scarring. The best day of my life that I ever experienced um, was when my family went to the Georgia Aquarium. I know that sounds weird, but it was just kind of the perfect day. And it was, uh, golly, it was a couple of years ago now, maybe four years ago, but uh, it was just this perfect, beautiful day. Everything from getting up in the morning down to the restaurant that we went to, down to my kids just randomly started uh, dancing in Olympic Park there in Atlanta, Georgia, as we were walking back from the restaurant where we ate buffalo meat for uh, for dinner that night. And so um, that moment was absolutely amazing. And then you look at the flip side and like, why is it cemented? Like, why is it cemented in my head? And as ministry leaders, what can we do to utilize these type of highs and lows in the midst of... Um, ministry, right? And so I'm going to share a story, and it's, it's actually going to take a, take a few minutes, but my most traumatic or my worst experience in ministry, um, it happened surrounding a World Youth Day. Now, World Youth Day is this big gathering that happens uh, where literally millions of youth gather uh, to see the Holy Father, to pray, to express unity, to learn, to grow, and, uh, and it, it all, the, the highlight of it is when we gather in a big old field for a vigil and uh, overnight and then mass with the Holy Father in the morning. So it's like a prayer, and it takes all day to get people out there. So I don't remember what day of the week it was, um, but that's not important. We all crammed into these buses, crammed into these trains, and then we ended up walking about four to five miles out with our backpacks just filled with food, water, and um, a couple of light blankets or whatever so that we could sleep out in this big field. So we get out there and we're assigned a section. And we actually had a pretty good section. It was only about um, 200 yards away from the stage. I know that sounds strange, but this area went for probably a mile. Like it was humongous. And uh, once we got there, we found our little section within that section, got everything set up. And it's essentially, they they packed them in like sardines, right? Something the uh, Germans might have gotten proficient at um, and packing them in. And because uh, this was World Youth Day Germany uh, back in the year 2004, I believe. Maybe it's 2005. And here comes, no, it was 2002. Forgive me. It was definitely uh, 2002. Nope. <laughs> I'm not going to know. I think it's 2005, 2006. So moving on, we're there and we're sitting there and someone's got a guitar and we're playing and then a group of about another 50 people. I have about 30 people with me that I'm in charge of. And a group of about another 50 people show up and say, hey, we need to be in this section as well. And we're like, there's lots of section. And we're like, no, we want to be here. Well, we had some of our youth out that were that were looking and in, in, introducing themselves to other people and things like that. So we only had about half of our group there. So they started like 
setting their stuff down on top of our stuff. It required all this advocacy. And so now there's this constant tension. As the group leader, I feel like I need to be defensive or like stand guard to make sure that our stuff doesn't get taken away, that our space doesn't get uh, taken away, especially considering in the United States, when we talk about World Youth Day, we're thinking ages 14 to 20, right? But in the world as a whole, in the church as a whole, when we're talking about youth, we're typically looking about ages 18 to 35. And so this is a concern of mine because we have some 16, 17-year-old girls and these other groups are coming in with 25-year-old males within the group, and they're expected to sleep within, you know, a half a foot of each other, you know. And so I am very concerned about what's going on. There's this tension, and so I'm already mentally kind of in that zone. And again, this is after about 10 days of pilgrimage, which is beautiful, which is enriching, which is exhausting. So the vigil happens. We all lay out our little emergency blankets and things like that to to sleep on. Um, there's a group that's uh, literally about uh, you know 50 yards away uh, from Nigeria, and they're hitting the drums like all night long. It was actually really cool. Um, but there comes a point where how cool it was, the novelty of how cool it was, and how beautiful it was, uh, starts to wear down, and you're just kind of like. Come on, it's 2.15 in the morning. Let us all get some sleep. And so we uh, we only ended up getting a couple hours of sleep that night. By the time we arose, uh, the sun was up. And uh, we started packing up our, our, our stuff. Um, and all of a sudden, a girl in our group screams. Just lets out this blood-curling scream. And, uh, and I come over, and she points. And so she had one of those emergency blankets or whatever, real thin plastic tarps, almost like a painter's tarp that you would lay down. And underneath it, was a dead mouse. And so this field apparently had a number of mice that lived within the field and burrowed in the holes and things of that nature. Well, they typically come out at night, I guess, or at least that night they did. But when they come up and they start crawling and they get trapped underneath the plastic that we had laid out with human bodies all around it, literally all around it, we were like sardines when we were sleeping and uh, they had nowhere to go. And so literally hundreds of mice got asphyxiated at that World Youth Day on the ground. And so now we uh, we pack all of our stuff up and we're like just throwing everything else away. Like, okay, that 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 blanket, that that tarp, that and just throw it away, throw it away. A bunch of dead mice um, all mixed into that. And uh, and that was our good morning call. We eat this boxed lunch that they gave us that had lunch, dinner, and the next morning's breakfast. So now we have eaten through all of our food, which some of it, to be fair, actually tasted a little bit like dog food and <laughs> had an image of a dog on the front of one of the cans. It was crazy. So um, was it dog food or was it food made out of dog? It was just we were speculating, but we all had our our humor about us. We were able to laugh about those things, which I think is vital. So now it's time for for us to start preparing for the liturgy. We all get out our little radios and stick them in our ears so that it's translated into English so that we can understand uh, what's being said. Of course, one of the beauties of Catholicism, and I think this is one of the greatest values of World Youth Day, is that regardless of what language the liturgy was in, we knew when to stand, when to sit, when to kneel, what part of the Mass was going on, even if the, the reading was in a different language, the Gospel was in a different language, or the homily was in a different language, we knew. And when Liturgy of the Eucharist hit, the reverence that happened by people of 30 different languages, we were all united. And that was powerful. That was beautiful. And in all fairness, 
that was worth the price of admission. But the price of admission that day got extremely high. And so the liturgy happened. We were able to receive communion. I don't know who came up with the logistics, but they had people with umbrellas that would follow the communion ministers so that you could see these big orange umbrellas, and that's where you know to go to receive communion. But they were able to distribute communion to over 2 million people in that field that day. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And then, after the liturgy ended, it's time for over 2 million people to head home. This is where it gets complicated. So, I was just a youth minister at the time, and we went with our diocese. And the diocese uh, had a director that was kind of leading everything, and there were different packages that you could choose. Some context, we chose a package to have a couple of pre-World Youth Day days, um, like a pre-pilgrimage, and uh, and I was the leader that had the biggest group. So about 10 days, no joke, 10 days before the trip, I was contacted by the person who was in charge and was told, hey, you are going to be the main lead for this section of the trip. There's only six other people that are going on that trip, so it's about your 30 plus these six people, and you'll be in charge of the entirety of it. So 10 days beforehand, I'm getting information about itinerary. I'm getting information about um, travel plans, housing, all those different pieces, and I'm trying to figure it out because these are places I've never been. Again, probably shame on me because I just thought I was going to be a pilgrim that was also a consumer that someone was going to guide us and hold our hand the whole way. And it's, it's never, it's never like that. Right. And, uh, but to be the one that's in charge, if someone gets lost now, it's on me instead of on, uh, the director who was leading a different leg of it. Unbeknownst to me, he was leading a different leg of it. And so totally made sense, but, um, not everything got communicated. And you'll find out that in a little bit. But there was a time where we walked around. We had one person in our group that spoke a little bit of German. And uh, and to this day, I, I can still see his face when he rescued us, helping us find the first place we were supposed to stay when we finally uh, arrived on the train from where our flight flew in. And so there were a couple of hiccups in regards to that and uh, a couple of calling cards. This is all before cell phones were widely available. Um, but I did have a cell phone and I could use data for texting you know, it was uh, international texting, so it was like a dollar a text or something ridiculous like that. But I digress. So anyway, so I'm given this information uh, 10 days before the trip, and now here we are all heading back to the hotel. Our flight leaves that evening at 8 p.m. We are leaving at 11 a.m. after the liturgy. Not a problem. Hop on a train. It's a 30-minute train ride, and then we're back. The line for the train was the issue. And so we get to the to the to the area where the train is, and there's easily there's easily five, six thousand people ahead of us. No problem, they're running extra trains that day. Germany did prepare for a large group. It was fairly well organized, all things considered. However, the trains weren't being filled to the capacity because they wanted to save room for other people at stops further down the lane. And our section ended up moving at a snail's pace. An hour goes by, two hours goes by, three hours go by, and we are literally fenced in with 1,000 people behind us, now 4,000 people in front of us, and there is one porta potty And where is that porta potty located? On the other side of the fence, on the platform of the train area. So in order to get to it, 
we've got to make it through this line, which is going to take us hours. So we had to start getting creative. So we're, we're telling people, hey, does anyone have a blanket or a sheet still with them? We'll go hold it up so no one can see you and you can use the restroom. And that's what we were doing, stepping just out of line, inviting people back in. We were making friends with the people in front of us and behind us. Praise God that a lot of other countries teach English as a mandatory second language. And uh, and, and the U.S. definitely has a growth area in regards to it. But But it was nice to be able to make those connections. They would let us back in line. But as the day drew on, our supplies drew lower and lower and lower. We were literally huddling up with people that were hungry from our group digging into our backpacks and dividing up the crackers or the little cheese things that they gave us that were left over in our bag. The little dog food looking things all got eaten that day because we were standing out in the sun. And in the midst of this, one of my teens comes up to me and she lets me know, hey, Chris, I need somewhere private to go because I just started. I was like, you just started what? And she's like, my girl stuff, I just started. I didn't know how to help her. I felt helpless. In ministry, there's moments where you feel helpless. I felt completely helpless. I just wanted to get on that train. And now I'm starting to realize that if we don't get back to the hotel by 6 p.m., we're not going to be able to get the tram that's going to take us to the airport by 7 p.m. that's going to get us onto the plane by 8 p.m. I send a couple of text messages to the director using my phone. He messages me back while we're four hours into this line. Chris, the diocese rented buses so that we could all have quick transit back to the hotel. Why didn't you get on one of the diocesan buses? This was brand new information to me. Because we were in a different section and the rest of the diocese had chosen a different package, right? And so they were all seated and they were assigned the same section in the field, which was much further back, by the way. Um, So that was the silver lining of it all. Because we were in a different section, we weren't seated with the rest of the diocese. And because I had only found out 10 days beforehand that I was in charge, we didn't know about the buses. And so they've been back at the hotel now for like three hours. They got right back. It was no problem for them. We have been standing out in the heat with no more water, uh, with no more food, and with some major issues kind of coming up. There were teens that were crying and then our adult ministers that were huddling together. There were people that were just kind of losing it and just kind of using some words that we shouldn't be using, but we had to tolerate it all because everyone was processing this moment differently. And it looked like we were not going to get back in time. Well, lo and behold, uh, about five hours into that line, they realized that they were sending some trams all the way back that were half empty. Why? Because all the other stations along the way that they were saving room for They were cleared out by this point. And so they started fully loading the trams right then and there at our section. And the line really started moving. The walk from the uh, train station. So we finally got through um, and a couple people chose to go to the restroom right there at the porta potty. And a couple people were like, if that means that I might miss the tram, then there's not a chance. And so we all jumped in. We all stayed together. Someone standing by the door, pound, 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 if someone was in the restroom. And then we ran onto the train together. We set our stuff down. We took a deep breath and we got back to the train station. It's a 40 minute walk to get from the train station to the hotel. And we had an hour before our bus left. We still needed to pack up our hotel rooms. So I am barking orders with the last bit of strength that I have. 
and we end up marching everyone back. At this point, everyone had renewed energy because we weren't in that line anymore, that dreaded, dreaded line. And so we end up getting back to the hotel. The, um, the people there, including our pastor, who did an amazing job, he had already uh, booked us contingency flights for the next morning. He had gotten the hotel permission for us to stay the night if we were going to miss our flights. Everything was taken care of. We got back to the hotel. Our rooms were already packed up by other people from the group, and we had food waiting for us. It was unbelievable. The bishop of the diocese was there, acknowledged the challenges that we faced, thanked me, welcomed me back, thanked the group, welcomed me back. I got everyone seated for dinner, and then I went to the restroom, and I locked myself in a stall, and I cried for five minutes straight. After those tears, I ended up drying off my face, and I stood back up, and I moved forward. I moved forward. Now, we got on the plane. Everyone got home safely. It all worked out. That moment was the most miserable moment in ministry for me, and it was like a moment that lasted eight hours. It was really, really hard, but from that moment... The way that we navigated it and the way that Christ carried us through it, and it was obvious that Christ was there with us, especially when we got back to the hotel and there was this rejoicing, uh, almost like the prodigal son's return. You know, they had a feast laid out for us that they had kept warm, even though the room reservation for that luncheon, lunch in, was uh, was expired by like four hours. They advocated for us. The Holy Spirit was clearly present in the midst of that. And because of that, it made it a powerful moment. Last month. One of those teens from that experience was ordained a Catholic priest. Many of those teens I still keep in touch with. And let me tell you, their faith is strong. That experience, that moment, that day was the most difficult day I have ever had in ministry. And it was fruitful. It was so fruitful. In the midst of it, I was tested. And there was a lot of authenticity. Like, this is authentic Chris. They knew that I loved them. But they also knew that I didn't have a clue on how to help navigate the situation. We were helpless together, but we had each other, and we knew that Christ was present in our midst. The reason why I share this story and the reason why I think it's so profound is in our lowest point of ministry, God is still effective. In our most miserable moment of ministry, God is still effective. And I would argue that in this pandemic world that we live in right now, that there is a lot of moments of ministry that seem very discouraging. Fellow ministry leaders, I want to encourage you, implore you, and beg you to lean into this moment, to lean into what's going on, and to find Christ within it. Be creative. Hold up some blankets if you need a porta potty and you can't have access to one. Be creative. Share your resources like we did with the cheese and the little dog food stuff and whatever. Share your resources. And then give people space, a place and a space to be able to process their emotions, right? We, in the midst of this difficult time in ministry, do not have to be all flowers and puppy dogs. We can lament. Look at some of the Psalms. Like, David's great at lamenting. Like, we can lament. We can say, where are you, God? We desire you here. We desire you here in a greater way. And that's all true, and people are inspired by those moments. And then finally, we can focus on unity and celebrate the tiny wins along the way, but also just be with each other and those who are in the similar situation. Again, the people behind us and the people in front of us, those groups that were immediate proximate to us, saved our spots when we walked off to go use a restroom, a makeshift restroom. Saved our spots. They also shared their water when one of us ran out of water. 
And we were sharing little food and little candies, but we were also sharing stories and sharing that experience. And in the midst of that, we have this common experience as a society, as humanity right now with COVID-19. If we as ministry leaders can figure out how to make that common experience something that Christ is made intimately a part of, something to say, because you experienced this, because I experienced this, I want to let you know that Christ also is with us and among us. If nothing else, it's a conversation starter about how did we navigate this together. And I believe years down the road, there can be spiritual fruits, just like there were spiritual fruits of those who attended that World Youth Day with us and suffered in that eight-hour line for a tram that took 20 minutes um, back in World Youth Day. So, brothers and sisters, ministry leaders, I am really grateful um, for that low point in ministry. I don't want to experience it again, but I am grateful for it in hindsight I can see how God was present. Take a moment this week to reflect on the different areas in which God has been with you in your most challenging time in ministry. If you're going through it right now, if right now is your most challenging time in ministry, take a breath and take solace knowing that there will be fruit. I think about that footprints in the sand, which almost makes me roll my eyes because it feels a little bit cheesy. But in reality, when our ministry leadership lid does not uh, reach the heights of the ministry leadership that is needed to carry through, that's why the Holy Spirit and Jesus are invited into journey with us, right? That is why that we are instruments in the maker's hands, and he is a very good craftsman. And so he works through us, and he works in spite of us. But those powerful moments are created, even in the misery, even in the suffering, and Christ is made truly present there. Woo! Okay, so that was my story. To God be the glory. It was a challenging, challenging World Youth Day experience, and uh, I have um, helped prepare people for World Youth Day since then, but actually for me personally, that was the last World Youth Day I attended, and so that's my lasting memory of World Youth Day. So if you're ever like, hey, Chris, you want to go to World Youth Day? My answer will be a resounding, not this time. So um, I want to hear your stories. You can reach us at, uh, at our Facebook group. Just search Ministry Leaders Anonymous, and it's a closed group, so you can just share it within the people there. But I want to hear your high and your low of your ministry experience as a ministry leader. What is your high? What is your low? And I think on Facebook, you can even upload videos. I've seen this really neat thing called uh, video feeds and things like that. So feel free to actually tell your story, share your story as well of what that looks like. And then send us any feedback you have at mla at ablaze.us. You guys here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. So let's take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders, especially those that might be in their low right now, and also to reflect on our own history or our own, I guess, tenure as a ministry leader, to look at the highs, to look at the lows, and to see in those powerful moments where Christ was present, and in that, give him glory. And we will see you next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless. <music>